0: Welcome to Fans of the Forge we are recapping Master of Arms Season 1, Episode 2, The Joan of Arc Sword. Mm-hmm. So, let's get into this. As usual, with Master of Arms, we have a quick draw challenge. So, we're introduced by our two-hour smiths, Colin Roy, who is 25 years old, has been welding for nine years and making knives for five, and blacksmithing for three. Jordan Borstelman utilizes 1,000-year-old blacksmithing techniques, blacksmithing for eight years. And we have Melinda Brown specializing in knives for women, three years' experience in knife making. So moving on to the quick draw challenge. They are given five hours to recreate a ball and chain flail. Oh, yeah.
1: That was cool.
0: It was awesome, (laughs) which is good for getting past shields, but dangerous to the wielder. So the parameters for this thing, it has to have an 18 to 24 inch long handle, a 12 to 16 inch long chain, and the ball must have a minimum of seven spikes. You have to make the chain. Woo! So yeah. kind of tricky. Five hours to do all that. So
1: that's a lot. It's I mean, a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. And good luck, but it should be uh, pretty cool to watch.
1: Yeah. And they had to make their own little sphere. It's not like they had a ball bearing or anything. Uh, they had to make every right. single
0: yeah. component of this thing, pretty much, yeah.
1: So Colin starts on the ball in the forge and is using the press for that. He has concerns that there's no low-carbon round stock for the chain, and he ends up using flat stock to make a beefier chain. Um, he welds spikes onto the ball, and he burns his handle to give it a blackened look. It was
2: neat to see how they made the ball on the press, like as they... I don't think anybody had round stock that they were using. It was all right. square stock that yep. they then had to, to to shape up using the press once it was heated and uh, be able to make it into a somewhat ball shape.
1: Yeah, It was interesting yeah. to watch. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Uh, Jordan starts working on the ball in the forge. He has, okay, I noted this. Respectful change with Trenton. And so we have talked about how Jason Knight says, yeah, man. And someone, I don't remember who it was, was like, that's disrespectful. Down in the yeah. South, we say, Mr. and Miss, you know, like, I'd be Miss Teresa. So Trenton comes over and says something to the effect of, hey, Mr. Jordan, how you doing? You know, what, what are you working on? How's it going? And as he was leaving, Jordan's like, yeah, man, and nods to him. And Trenton's like, okay, bye. And it was very nice. <laughs> he was not offended at all by this yeah, man comment. Uh. <laughs> Just thought I'd chuck that in there. Um, Continuing on with his work, he makes Jordan makes long-chain links with a loop at each end, making less pieces. More
2: like almost S-hooks that were then hammered over all the way, so that it was like, rather than just a a standard oval oval shape.
1: Um, He drilled a hole for his spikes, then inserted them and chiseled around them to lock them in place
2: i wish they would have showed a little bit more yeah. how that worked because it seemed like an interesting method for holding them but you couldn't really tell what he was doing
1: um, and then he attaches his ball and chain to a handle using lanchase his first pin bends during installation and splits the wood handle
2: that sucks yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, melinda starts with a block of tool stock for her ball and also uses the press. Um, She decided it was too heavy, so she took a chunk off and then had to make it round again. Um, Then she makes tiny links compared to the other two and used square spikes. So that was interesting. Um, For testing, it was smashed against a medieval chest plate. And so they were judging on the spike integrity. Do they stay attached and undamaged? And does the chain remain stable and undamaged at both connection points and overall damage to the target? So it's nice that they actually explained exactly what they were being judged on in this round.
2: Yeah. And the overall damage to the target thing, I was rewatching some earlier episodes of Forge and Fire, and they actually used to pay more attention to the damage that you would do to the, the target or whatever you're you're testing on in the earlier episodes, and then it kind of shifted away to, it's not what your knife does to this, it's what this does to your knife. Yeah. This one is a little more interesting because they're specifically saying this is the type of damage. It's different, th- I mean, Doug's kill test is still about the t- damage you do to the dummy, but this is up against armor, and generally, that sort of <coughs> strength test it's all about how it holds up, not how what it does for damage. So it's kind of neat to see that that's how they're going to judge it.
1: Um, Melinda's does a lot of damage. One chain link at the ball connection is wider, but it's still attached. Um, Zeke was most worried about getting knocked the hell out by hers, (laughs) and he had concern over how the chain links were connected. Ashley thought it looked good and it worked. Trenton said her method of connecting using um, a socket and bolt was the worst method. Jordan um, started with a cracked handle.
2: Zeke pointed that out. He's like, you know, this handle's cracked, right? Yeah, I know. (laughs) The
1: handle split past the Lange, but it did not, uh, but it did some damage. Um, Trenton was unhappy with his construction methods, and Zeke said that the damage output went down as the handle split, which makes sense. It's not as effective as it's getting damaged. Um, Colin, everything was in one piece, but the handle is a little slick. The chain angle made it harder to aim. Um, Zeke said it looked the best, but the fire polish made it slippery to hold and he had like grippy gloves and still had a yeah. hard time hanging well, on to he thing. did
2: it with, he, I think he used oil that he lit on fire on the handle itself. Like he, I th- believe there was a little bit of oil or something. Oh there. really? What
1: I, the hell would you do
0: that for? I, th-
2: I th- that's, t- I think, I may be wrong. I thought that there was a little oil then he burned I, it. If
0: that's the true, oil. that's, that seems a little silly to me. Just because I, I may put I, a flame to wood, it's going to char. You don't need oil for that. Yeah, maybe it gives it. But difference. if he if he did that, for some effect. I mean, otherwise, would charred
2: wood be generally slippery, even with gloves on? I would feel like there would have to have been some other aspect going on for it to be that slippery, unless um, it was so super smooth. But I don't know. It's not like. I really don't know.
0: I'm not gonna theorize what might happen if something gets carbonized or you know whatever, and maybe drew out some oils and what or some bullshit.
2: Yeah, who knows?
0: It was slippery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the accuracy was off. And Ashley mentions uh, that you need to have control. So because of the cracked handle and starting the testing with a cracked handle, Jordan got boot.
2: Jordan got boot. Yes, that is true. We move on to our master build challenge. Colin and Melinda are given four days to craft Joan of Arc's sword. Uh, The background on this weapon included it had two years of service in the 100 Years War. It was assumed to be crafted in the common broadsword style of the day, and legend has it it included five crosses on the side of the blade parameters were that it needed to be between 32 and 34 inches long must have a cross hilt pommel and a fuller that is more than half the length of the blade the five crosses are not required but smiths are encouraged to embellish and personalize to show off their craftsmanship skills so right away as they go on the second episode they're more explicit in what they're looking for from these guys and women Uh, that are doing the show and saying right off the bat that if you do these embellishments and try to make sure this is as close to historically accurate as possible in doing that, it can boost your, your, your judging in the end. So Colin started, used 5160 to make his blade. It was thicker than what he wanted, but he planned to move steel while he's working. Um, paints on the blade with machinist blue and then marks from where to remove the metal. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that means? So
1: when you coat it in the machinist blue, you can mark on it and, like, scratch it off, and that's kind of where you take it away from. It's like negative space.
2: And then roughly from there makes the fuller. Uh, Day two, quenches his blade, and he's feeling that he's ahead of schedule and pretty confident. He's working on the guard. Um, In doing so, he managed to take a chunk out of the anvil that they're working on, which it can happen. (laughs) If you miss with that hammer, it can do some damage. Uh, He makes the pommel and cuts walnut for the handle uh, and then immediately cracks the walnut (laughs) that he cut and switches to an orange agate. On day three, his goal is to get the entire sword assembled. He is super focused and not really paying attention to what Melinda is doing. And that ends up causing a little bit of conflict uh, between the two. Uh, he wants to win if he is better, not if Melinda doesn't finish her sword. But that's even coming up because they were both working on the grinders at the same time, and I guess they had a wobbly bench for the grinders or something. and, and like, he was like shaking the table. He was shaking the table as she was trying to do some fine grinding. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was getting pretty ticked off about it, which I understand. And eventually, he's like, I'll stop working over here for now so she can have time to herself to work on this.
1: Well, she walked away. Well, she walked away at first? But she walked he... away, and then when she came back, he like went and did something else.
2: Okay. So he worked on his handle. Um, his guard ended up developing a crack, so he welds a little metal to the outside and inside of that to help stabilize it more than anything else. On day four, he's not feeling as prepared... Um, His handle is 95% of where he wants it. The pommel is all set. He just wishes that he had more time for refinement. He finds that his guard is wiggling, so he fills the cavity in the guard with epoxy, and then he coats the handle with ultra-fast-drying polycrylic with an hour left.
1: I paused the screen to see if I could figure out what exactly he was using, (laughs) and it looked like it said polycrylic. Whatever that is.
2: some hmm. My guess would be some sort of polymer-acrylic yeah. combination. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then we move to Melinda, who also used 5160 steel. She has never made a blade this big. Uh, she designs a guard with W1 so that it contrasts the color and includes a downward-pointing triangle, which in early cave drawing means woman. Melinda includes the triangle in everything she makes otherwise her blade is too long and not quite wide enough by the end of day 1. Day 2, she works on straightening her blade and getting it right uh, ready for grinding, and then she quenches the blade. On day 3, she applies the fuller, and then we mentioned Colin is shaking the table while she's trying to work, and she says, "I'm going to beat you to death with this sword and break it over you like Joan of Arc did on prostitutes if you shake this freaking table again." <laughs> Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And so she takes a break until Colin finishes and then comes back. And her goal was to finish the blade that day. On day four, she finishes the pommel, the guard. She drills the handle, shapes it out, puts it on, and basically spends the rest of the day doing the dressing work, the the embellishment, the finish work. She um, drills the handle on and then wants to apply slash etch at least five crosses and she paints blue and gold on the handle in honor of the color of Joan of Arc's banner. Now, Teresa, has A
1: a little bit of a tangent here. When Melinda was talking about the triangle that means woman on her sword, the camera goes and shows Colin working. So it's like (laughs) poor editing in this, you know... Kind of important piece about her design. Like, oh, let's ignore the woman talking about woman things and show the man working.
0: Was it like really loud? Because I know there was some point where she was talking and then it was like really loud it banging. It was
1: that part. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what it was. And he just being was. so loud it that was. they went over to pan just to just show what he be, was doing. He was like beating the shit out of something while she's trying to explain this thing. Yeah, while
0: they're doing like a little side interview. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which, and it's not normal that while one person is talking, they show the other person. So I kind of paid attention to see if they would do that otherwise, like while he's working, if they would show her. The only time they did was when he was doing something and she just put her hand on her hip and shook her head. And I'm like, come on, that's so stereotypical. (laughs) Yeah. So I had a problem Uh, with that bit.
0: They could have, well, I was going to say they could have done one of those outside interviews when they'd show the Smiths outside of the shop, like talking about, you know, what's going on. I don't know if that's that, like at the end of the day or beginning of the day, something like that. Well, yeah. But if it just comes up and like spur of the moment, then that's just how it is. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. That.
2: Yeah, it was. <laughs> and yeah, you you do feel for her because you want to hear what she has to say about her thoughts on this, the subject and, and you know – they come right into the show stating that she's focusing on making knives that are designed for women. So, it's right. obviously a big part of, of what she's doing here. Um, and they kind of it felt like it was being glossed over a little bit.
1: Yeah. But
2: editing needs to be cleaned up a little bit there when it comes to that.
0: Moving on. You want to handle the testing here, Sean? <coughs> sure. All right. So... Our good buddy Nick Irving, the special ops badass, mm-hmm. he's going to be handling the testing. So he's going to first cut through a web of nylon straps and then proceed to stab and slash a pig carcass. So, Sound know, familiar? Sound familiar. <laughs> it's anyone? A, it's a little similar. To all, some. all they needed to do is throw a fish or a chicken in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with Melinda's weapon, it took five strikes to get through the nylon webbing. It was a bit heavy to use and then rebound so that forward weight was kind of hard to control a little bit. The fuller came out um, oh, the filler fuller. came out while while striking the pig carcass uh, and the handle is now loose. Um, for Colin, <coughs> it took five strikes to get through the nylon webbing. Cuts the pig almost all the way through and the pommel ended up becoming loose towards the end. So Ashley had to say about one is she loved the rounded tip that was accurate for the time period of the sword. Um, Zeke noticed the blue and gold in the handle. I thought it was pretty hard to see because it was like painted and then she wrapped it. Yeah, you can wrapped. You could kind of see through that, like the blue there, if you looked hard enough, I suppose. I mean, if you're holding it in your hand, you can probably see it pretty easily versus what they can show on the camera. Uh, Trent noticed that the weight of the blade was helpful when cutting through the ratchet straps and durability, you know, solder came out during the testing. Uh, for Colin, the straightness and fuller makes it light and fast. However, the lightness of it was a bit of a problem on ratchet straps. It didn't quite carry it through the way yeah. The wind Yeah, so there's a little trade-off there. If you're swinging it, you want to be able to control it. The weight, extra weight doesn't always lend itself to that. Control. However, if you needed to get through something, you want that weight there. Mm -hmm. Um, For the durability, pommel came loose during testing. Rather than that, that was it. And so, in the end, Colin, you're going home with ten thousand dollars and the title (laughs) master of arms.
1: Most stressful way to win (laughs) ever.
0: Yeah, you're going home with ten grand. Yeah, Uh, Melinda, your blade made me totally geek out. That's why Ashley said, you can leave the armory with honor. So, in comparison to
2: the first episode, it definitely is a step in the right direction, I think. It went further from the Forge and Fire format by making the the ball and chain flail. And then, sure, you're making a sword at the end here, but they are specifically saying you want to try to recreate Joan of Arc's sword as best as possible, not just make the style of sword that because I believe Fortune Fire even did a Joan of Arcs style sword yeah. at, at one point not too long ago, um, and they were just they were just better at conveying what they were looking for yeah. in the actual episode that we saw at least versus what they told the judges <laughs> off camera or not the judges the contestants off camera
0: right because even like with. Um one thing comes to mind is like Forging Fire with the wooden fire wheels, you can make it out of one piece, but that one guy did his and made it out of rivets. Like, you riveted pieces together to make it. So, if you're going to say historically accurate, no. Right. Because that's not how they did it. But they love that it worked and it was all about the function of that weapon, not if it was historically accurate. But, hey, I mean, that that's what they're putting into it and I'm good with that. As long as it's outlined in there, yeah. do it. So. On that note, I think we're wrapped up finally on this one, Master of Arms Season 1, Episode 2, Joan of Arc's Sword. So check out our videos. Comment, subscribe, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Check out what we got going on. Give us a review on the podcast too if you listen to the podcast. And uh, I guess we'll see you all next time. Later.